a uh, couple of things. Um, we, uh, just the, the added reminder that we are going to um, uh, be relaunching our youth ministry. As promised, I have worn my shirt every weekend up until the launch, and I have one more weekend. I tried, tried to class it up a little bit this week, and someone asked me last week if I wash it every week. Come on, man, that's, that's rude. But you don't know. You don't know. You never know. Uh, so, um, Next week, what I want to do is extend an invite um, to anyone who, of our church that wants to be there. We've done a lot of work in this last week. In fact, um, since I wasn't preaching last week, I put a lot of time, and then Pastor Ken put in a, a bunch of time just busting out the paint. Um, and we have actually, um, since we were able to, to get the rest of that, that room is all kind of one big long room, and we had it partitioned off for toddlers. Um, we have actually started to use that entire room for youth. Um, and so what we did is we painted to make it all match and kind of reoriented the room and did a few things. And as such, we are going to dedicate that room on the first night that we meet. And so anyone in our church um, that wants to be there, we want to invite you. We especially want all of our youth who are there. Um, if you want to bring a friend, we encourage it. And if you want to bring your parents just for this once, just this once, all right, they're down. They can come and hang out. And we want to dedicate the first 45 minutes will be us eating together hanging out. We'll do a little dedication ceremony, and then we'll do our first teaching as the youth ministry. Parents will be asked to head out, but we actually are going to ask you to stick around. We're going to have a couple of things out here in the lobby and in this area, just as we kick it off to pray over our students on the very beginning um, of the uh, youth ministry school year. Um, also, uh, and it's kind of two announcements. One is just a little something that happened in our household's life, um, but that pours into, um, we had an awesome uh, Kings Island trip that took place yesterday, uh, which was amazing. I was super excited. All my kids were excited, but we had a medical emergency this week. Um, last week, if you if maybe or maybe not remember, my wife texted me right before I went up here and said, we have stomach issues in the house. We're staying home. Fair enough. Don't bring that here, right? Um, but Titus, our oldest, had trouble um, keeping anything down at all for a couple days, which eventually turned into a lot of pain, which eventually turned into an emergency room. Uh, you know, dad running red lights and getting wild on the road, uh, and he had to have his appendix taken out. So um, we end up in the hospital, and I couldn't go to, they bummed, the, the ones that were well couldn't go to King's Island ship. The one who's stuck in the hospital, um, who was excited for it, ended up having a fun stay in the hospital. So um, be praying for you. I know some of you reached out. He He's doing well, and a lot of you have asked for updates. Titus is, is um, recovering well, but he's still just recovering. He, you know, it's surgery. So um, what turned into a casual week um, going into Labor Day turned into kind of a, a wild medical situation for us. So be praying for his recovery. I know I'm not the only one in this room who also had a medical emergency. So pray uh, just that uh, the Lord will be present in those things um, and that people will heal well. And then just on the other side, we thank God. We pray before he we went in and thank God for the hands of surgeons and medical staff that God has skilled and given the ability to um, perform surgeries and stuff like that. And so just, just thanking God on this side of it um, as he recovers from it. Um, for those uh, who stepped into the gap. We had some youth volunteers that just jumped in. It was like, we got this. Go take care of your family. We, we'll take this on. Um, and so they had a long day yesterday, but just so thankful for those of you who jumped in and took on um, so we didn't have to cancel anything and just uh, um, made that happen. So it was a great trip. Um, and then... Uh, let me, let me, I'm going to completely shift gears on you now, um, because today is Labor Day weekend. We also have one entire house church that's helping Young Life this weekend. So 
uh, a bummer that they're not here to be with us, but really cool that they're able to be at a Young Life camp and doing whatever God, uh, it's a mixture, I think, of, of rest and hanging out um, and also helping with the camp and the stuff that's going on there. So just excited that we have um, people out there doing some stuff that's out in, the, out in the wild, I guess, ministry out in the wild. So um, with that being said, we are coming to the grand conclusion, the finale Y'all, excited, y'all aren't as excited as I am for this, right? The grand finale of the book, the letter that Paul wrote to Ephesus, to the Ephesian church. Um, and so it's like bittersweet because as a pastor, you spend a lot of time with this text. You start to get to know it. I feel like I've been thinking about this, uh, you know, the Artemis and uh, the fiery darts, the armor of God and um, all of these worlds colliding that we talked about for so long. It's time, one, to like, you got to say goodbye to an old friend, but also it's, you're ready for, for something new to move on. And probably you all are ready as well. Pastor Kim preached last week on the armor of God and really drove home this point. I loved his his like one main point, um, if you had to serve, is like all kinds of stuff going, but the one thing is um, if you're going to be in a spiritual battle, you have to suit up, right? You have to have your armor on. And if you're not going to engage in a spiritual battle, fine, bring your t-shirt. I mean, maybe it gets cold in the stands, right? So bring your sweater. But if you're going to get in the game, you have to suit up. You've got to be ready for the impact that you're getting into. And so get into the battle, but also bring that armor with you. And there are five pieces of armor that Paul mentions in there. And classically, one piece that is considered an offensive weapon. That's the sixth piece, which is the Word of God, the Scriptures. So all of it is defensive in nature except for the one, but what I want to make a case for you today is that there's actually one more piece of armor that extending right off of this is the next part before Paul makes his closing remarks. It's like this sneaky little seventh piece, and I believe it is also an offensive weapon. It is not defensive, and it's called prayer, all right? So, so there's three things that came to mind when I began thinking this, three moments that, that just, what, what are the first three things that came to mind as I was considering where I've seen good prayer lives and stuff like that. One is I was on an overseas trip and um, a guy by the name of Chris, he was praying all the time. He was the on-site missionary and every time we would do something and he'd check in with us, how's it going? And he'd be driving us from place to place and he would go in and out of conversation with us and God as if God was in the car with us. So yeah, yeah, awesome, that's really cool. God, just lift up those people they talk to. And what else happened? Yeah, all right, yeah. So Father, would you just go into their hearts? And he's driving, like, God, be in their hearts. And like praying for the people on the road as he's going, you know. All, it was like this seamless, almost like he just expected God to be right there with him. Do you see what he was doing? And it would just like, you would like, is he talking to me? Or is he... Like, Jesus, is he talking to you? Like, I don't, why am I asking? Is Jesus going to tell me? Yeah, no, he's talking to me this time, man. Just be quiet. This is my part. And so it's back and forth. That, and for whatever reason, that always stuck out with me. Um, it, it's like this book, and we'll, we'll quote from it later, but this guy by the name of Brother Lawrence, he was a monk, and he wrote a, a book called Practicing the Presence of God. It's a great book, a little tiny book. You can read it probably in an hour. And, um, uh, and, Uh, It talks about presence being so important to prayer. And so I want to infuse today what we're talking about today with that idea. And I've mentioned this before, but I had this professor. This is the other thing that came to mind. This professor, one time I said, he was mentoring me. I said, hey, I have a prayer request. He said, thank you. He always called me young man. And so he's like um, on this stairwell about to walk up to his class. And he says, young man, I'm going to pray for you right now as I'm walking up these stairs. And so I walk and I literally see him like, Jesus, I think. 
as he's talking up to him. A girl comes up to him in the midst of that, and he full on is like, hold on. Amen. How can I help you, young lady? And then he goes on to do everything. I remember sitting down at the bottom of the stairwell, like watching it all go down. Like he seriously, he meant that. When he said, I'm going to pray for you right now, he meant it. And then he wasn't going to be interrupted until he finished that prayer. I don't know why, but those two things interacting with Chris um, and, and with this professor, they really stuck out to me as moments of like, that should shape something about how I pray. Okay, and so, so as I'm thinking about these, I'm like, these are champion level prayer lives, but when I consider my own prayer life, it's, it's got all kinds of seasons, right? There are times that I am on it. There are times when I write my prayers. This is what I keep this book around. I write things in it or even pictures that come to my mind that I think God is saying to me. Times that I speak my prayers out throughout the day just like Jesus is with me. I, I awkwardly probably pray throughout the worship set. Sometimes it's the words of the song. Sometimes it's not. I pray right through from one song to the next. All right. So if you see me saying stuff, that's what's happening in the midst of that. Usually just kind of along the lyrics that are being um, sung. I, I have uh, done prayer walks. I've led prayer walks. I've had moments where I don't know what I'm supposed to pray. And in those moments, I just ask for God in silence, would you pray whatever I should be praying for me? Because I just don't even know what to do right now. Spirit, would you um, jump in and take over for me? And then there's times when I just forget prayer altogether, right? So those, those are the good side. Then, then there's times when I'm like, I'm, I'm speaking, but it feels like I'm speaking into air and no one's listening. There are times that I'm like, is this, is this even doing anything, right? And then I default to the prayer of the man. Uh, it's one of the, the people that Jesus um, heals, and he says, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And I always felt like that's a, that's a good prayer when you're not sure what's going on and what to do and, and, and how this is, is working. And so this is the way things, I think, tend to go with all of our prayer lives, right? It's ups and downs. It's goods and bads. It's desolation and it's jubilee at times. It's like Thanksgiving. And then at times, it's like, I just don't know what to do. Like, God, are you there? Sometimes uh, it's shaking your fist and saying, Lord, do something about this. And you see David doing similar things inside of the Psalms. And so what happens is that as we're ending this letter, Paul decides to encourage the Ephesians on a few different levels in the way that they are supposed to pray. So I want to ask you to open up to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 18. It'll overlap a little bit with what we preached yesterday. And then we'll, we'll finish out um, the book of Ephesians here today. It's Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Uh, and it starts like this. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, the, there's the renowned Puritan, 17th century, like John Bunyan. Like go, go back to history class. John Bunyan writing Pilgrim's Progress, and you probably had to read it along the lines at some point inside of your high school career or somewhere in there. 
he had a term for this specific moment in scripture, and he also considered it a part of the weaponry, an offensive weapon that should be included inside of the armor of God. And to give it a memorable standing, he called it the all prayer because of how often the word all was used in it. And so I want to use that language throughout the rest of this. We, we tend to underestimate prayer and go on as if prayer is like a last resort. But what we see here is John Bunyan, even the Apostle Paul, and others throughout history, they don't consider it a last resort. They consider it a powerful weapon, just like we sang against rulers, authorities, powers, dominions, powers of the dark world, spiritual forces, in the e- in evil forces in the heavenly realms, as, as Paul has been trying to raise our awareness to. And I want to read this really um, beautiful quote. If you've been in the discipleship course, you've seen me talk about this, um, but I don't think we've ever talked about it in the, the normal service. Um, Annie Dillard said this about prayer. She said, does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we blithely invoke? She is an Englishman, by the way. I don't go around using blithely all the time, but here it is. Are, are we aware, have the foggiest idea of what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or, as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews, lash meaning tie us down, for the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense, or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. What? Have you ever thought of prayer like that? Think of what she's trying to get us to understand just as we're considering this idea and how we kind of maybe flippantly use it, but, you know, or, or tack it on to something, but don't really see that there's power in the things that we pray about. People throughout history have seen prayer as this secret weapon that they are fighting with all the time, breaking down strongholds, freeing people, healing people, utilizing these things for all kinds of ways, and often it just goes completely underlooked and underutilized in our hearts, our minds, and in our lives, right? Paul lists five aspects inside of the verse we just read that would be considered the all prayer. The first element here is that it is spirit-directed prayer. Anyone else read that and like, I don't know what that means, right? Well, Jude 20 refers to it as similar. It says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So we're supposed to pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, Romans 8, 26 through 27 adds to it. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what, or what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so the Holy Spirit is there and present The Holy Spirit is um, uh, jumping in and praying on our behalf, which is why I I mentioned that earlier. Sometimes I just add, like, God, I don't know what to do. Just, Spirit, pray for me. At times, the Spirit comes in and infuses our prayers with the will of God so that we even know what it is we are supposed to pray. The Spirit informs us so that we can, quote, pray in the Spirit. And then the expectation is that supernatural things can and should happen. Okay, so... So the Holy Spirit can tell us what we ought to pray. 
Maybe you've experienced this before, and I feel like I'm always wondering about this, always trying to listen for this. Apart from the Holy Spirit's assistance, we have to understand that our prayers are limited to our own perspective, very limited, correct? Our own ability to reason, very limited, correct? And our own intuition or you know, gut, whatever we think might should happen. But if you have the Holy Spirit in you, there's like this assistance that moves us into like a higher level of ability to pray because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so he gives us words or ideas or imagination, pictures, things that we ought to pray and with the Spirit and the Word of God because that's how we learn about what the Spirit would want us to do, right? We read and it gives revelation. We hear and it gives us ears to hear, eyes to see what God might want us to begin to speak into, to speak over, to intercede on behalf, things that we might have in our hearts. Now there's one person in our congregation, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, God tells me to pray for their protection on a very regular basis. I I don't, nothing, nothing I know of is going on, but it's like I can be obedient and make this prayer or, or ignore it. And so what I do is I I just quickly, God, wherever this person is, protect them, watch over them. I have no clue where in the world they might be, but but be there with them. And then every once in a while I mention, hey, I I know I I feel like a broken record, but that came up again, and I I prayed for your protection. So he's like, yeah, oh, cool, thanks. You know, like nothing necessarily has popped up, or at least nothing that they've wanted to share with me. Uh, I'm believing you see, like, it's like I'm practicing an attempt to believe that God is informing my imagination, and in the end, it's good encouragement. It's general ideas. God asks for protection. The scriptures pray for protection, so there's nothing non-biblical that I'm doing. Do you see how that works? One commentator um, said this, like, you ask for God's direction in different things. said, so ask and receive direction and conviction, not only about people, but about events and projects and even whole nations. And it's like, taking what I was doing for this one person and then asking God, well, uh, pray for this church. God, what do you want me to pray for this church? What do you want me to pray for the city of Indianapolis? What do you want me to pray over when it comes to that specific situation happening in that other thing that I saw in the news? God, how do you want me to pray for our nation, for the nations? How do you want me to pray for Ukraine and Russia? How do you want me to pray for anything that pops up? And then whatever God brings to your mind, you have the ability to exercise this idea, Lord, I don't even maybe know what this is. But I think I need to pray that peace would be upon this people group. That something good would happen in this person's life, that you would reveal yourself, that they would know your presence is with them, whatever they're walking through. And so um, this is the idea, asking for God to inform it because he says through his spirit, he does inform it. Now, there's a part of me that wants to just open it up for witness, for testimony, and find out what else is going on. This is, since we don't have a lot of time, uh, and I took up a lot of time the last few times I preached, amen, I know. I stretched, I stretched it, I know. They were long sermons. I'm gonna make sure that we go short and more reasonable, but here's what I want you to do. People need to be encouraged by the stories that God has given you. Tell others, God told me to pray for this, and I talked to them, and I found out it was exactly what they needed prayer for. There's one picture, I mean, some of you have been benefits, <laughs> benefited either awkwardly or reasonably when I've said, I don't know what this is, God told me to pray this over you, do it. And I've had a few moments where God's like, that's exactly what I want to be praying over my daughter right now. And so we prayed along this lines of this picture that was in my head, and um, God made some really cool things come out of that.
All right, I'm overstating the point. Got to keep it short. Second element of the all prayer, continual prayer. It says on all occasions. So let's assume that there's no bad occasion to pray. Let that hit reality. Is it like, is there every once in a while a place like, "Eh, maybe prayer is not appropriate right now? And I would say it is appropriate, just maybe not verbally, okay? So you can always be praying. And this is one of those ones that really pushes us. Like, there is no occasion that's inappropriate, maybe not always out loud, but I want to actually encourage you that we shy away and lack boldness. Maybe you should be praying out loud every once in a while when you're tempted not to. But, but instead, let's, let's, let's at least talk about this always with God's presence in mind. And this is going back to that Chris prayer in Turkey. This is going back to that Brother Lawrence kind of prayer because we see Acts tells us in the early church that they joined together constantly in prayer. And for us, at least if you're like me, you're thinking, is that even possible? Like, can I, I've got things going on, right? Like, there's people I need to speak to. There is dishes that need to be done. There are family things happening. There is good and bad things interrupting my day. Can it actually happen if anyone should be able to? Because I get my time paid for to be able to think upon the things of God. Thank you. You, thank you all. Common Ground Northeast. But there's still things that happen in my life all the time. Maybe I have more time than you to do that. But this is where the monks, because that's the question, like, do we, just, do we just turn in and go to the monasteries? That's what we're supposed to do. We're all just supposed to live as monks and pray all day long. But, but I want to say the monks actually have really great ways of informing us on this. They would say that it's actually a matter of considering the continual presence of God. I'm going to read a quote from Brother Lawrence in just a second, but I want you to think of it like this. When you believe that God is always present, in the car, at the table, in your circle of friends, hanging out with you, right by your side, whatever it is that you're doing in the classroom, at work, no matter what it is, it would almost be weird of you not to talk to God. Because if somebody was just sitting in that room and you just ignored them all day, that would be weird, right? And so what they're saying is consider it like that. If you really believe God is with you at all times, it actually is kind of casual. Oh yeah, like, God, you're here. So in the midst of this, God, would you do this thing, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of all of these things. I, I guarantee you, and, and this was the prayer that came to mind. When I was driving Titus to the emergency room, I was asking God, like Moses, to part the seas of, this, uh, of the traffic that was in front of me. Lord, part it. I want to see a way between these seas. Push cars to the side. This kid is screaming. He needs help right now, right? And so you start to pray these things. And what what I was believing is that God is in this car with me and the urgency added to my ability to get there, right? So it is possible. It's more an art of mastering the presence of God than it is of just disciplining yourself to constantly be praying with your hands closed, eyes, or eyes closed, hands together, head bowed. It's more like a conversation with God throughout your day-to-day, bringing him into an interactive state with whatever is happening in your day-to-day processes. So here's the Brother Lawrence quote that I think is important here. Practicing the presence of God again. The time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in his great tranquility as if I were on my knees. So he's not distinguishing between those two. 
God is with me as I'm going throughout my day to day. And so bring God into the ordinary ways of your life. Um, if you wanted examples, I read a book a while back by Tish Harrison Warren. Um, I sometimes get those last names flipped. Tish Harrison Warren called Liturgy of the Ordinary. It's an incredible book. If you haven't read I know a few of you had because they dealt with it at Midtown at one point. Um, but it talks about how do you pray while you're making a bed? How do you pray while you're um, driving around doing normal things, um, doing dishes and all these things? And she gives you kind of this liturgical way of bringing God into your everyday circumstances. So check it out if you want some examples. Paul challenges us to see that this kind of prayer life is not just meant for some people, not just for monks, not just for the super holy and these people who have gotten it all right, but actually that we can cultivate this secret dialogue in our minds with God at all times and bring it into everyday situations from mowing the lawn to doing the dishes, all right? So this is the encouragement. Pray continually. The third aspect of the all prayer is that it's varied prayer. It says, with all kinds of prayers and requests, so what I want us to, to think about here is there is no prescription for the right kind of prayer, like there's only one way, but actually there's room for all kinds of different ways in which we might pray. So think about the different backgrounds inside of the church. Think about different ethnicities and practices developed. There are liturgies, denominations, countries, heritages, um, different ways of doing this, different liturgical expressions can help us and inform us on ways that we can pray. One uh, night we were hanging out with one of the house churches here and um, as a way to bring their conversation into prayer, they had a practice that they used, and I, I don't know if it was all the time. Um, well, well, actually, let me rephrase it like this. Have you ever been in a situation where you all talk about a bunch of things going on in your lives, and then you're like, we gotta pray, but now we gotta remember all the prayers. Did someone write it down? Oh, you didn't write it down. Did someone remember that other thing? We forgot one of them. We gotta make sure we go back and re-pray. So instead of getting to the end of the conversation, they just decided throughout the conversation when it was a good thing, they all stopped and said, praise be to God together and turn the conversation into prayer. And when it came to a petition or request, they stopped and said, Lord, hear our prayer. I'm like, wow, this is, this is the answer to all of my uh, annoying, like I can't remember the prayer from the last person or who said what situation right here. And so this is an expression that I got a chance to benefit from, learn from, that was happening inside of one of our house churches. We get to learn from all of these diverse practices. Um, people inform us, consider, um, uh, uh, the different ethnicities and um, practices. In fact, when we get into the MeWe series, our next one, I'm going to bring um, one of those into a worship kind of conversation so that we can borrow from a, a really cool expression that, that uh, um, I found. I can't remember exactly where it's from, so I don't want to misquote it. I'll tell you when we get to it. So be here every Sunday. Not every fourth, every Sunday. Let's do that. All right. Um, but hear, hear this. In your life, you walk through seasons wherein you sin, and your prayer then is confession. In your life, you walk through moments of thankfulness, and in that moment, you say, God, thank you. God, praise you. You have adoration as your prayer. When you have needs, you go to God and say, God, I have a petition. I have a need. I have something I need you um, to do for me. We're skilled in every type of prayer based on the seasons of life that we go to. If we take those seasons, turn them into prayer. So we have all of these different varieties at our disposal. And once again, the presence of God could also be the answer to that. That as long as we see him in all those seasons, we have a prayer to pray in it as well. The fourth aspect of the all prayer is persistence. Alertness and persistence. It says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. So Paul wants you to wake up. 
Paul wants you to be alert, to have your, your, your spirit awake so that you don't get caught not knowing what's going on, so that you don't um, uh, get caught with your guard down. You don't get caught slipping in the middle of something when you don't know what's happening around you uh, and someone creeps up on you like, say, a power or an authority or a dominion. You don't want to be that person. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, I haven't even told, we haven't told our kids quite about this. So if you're in their age room, just don't bring this up. They don't, they don't need to know this situation. Uh, like you do when everyone's gone to sleep in your house and you grew up watching ridiculous action movies as a kid, you get involved in watching Aliens 1 and 2 and 3. And about 1 in the morning, rounding off, everyone's asleep in my house. I go upstairs and come back down. No joke, I hear somebody at my back door entering my house. They say, hey, Corey. And I'm not like a tough guy, but I do know that a six foot seven shadow coming out of nowhere at you is a problem. I, I, I don't have anything better than this. this is, I'm quoting myself. Like, you all might have really cool tough guy things to say in this moment. This is what I said. Nah, bro, that's all I had in my disposal of like threats, right? It was enough in the moment, and he quickly was like, oh, I'm sorry, I think, did I and come to the wrong place? And I'm just like walking towards this guy. I'm like, you need to turn around. And there's a few other words in there that aren't appropriate for the moment. And I'm gonna leave just where they were. Uh, he quickly backed off and kind of did this move. And I'm like, you need to get out of my house. You need to get off my property right now. It's like, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I don't care what you are. Get off my property now. And so I'm just walking him out, right? And closing the gate behind him. It's like, dude, don't let me catch you again. Do not let me, now question, why was my back door open, unlocked? He, he caught me off guard. I mean, I was watering lawns and going in and out, but I should have locked my, it's, it's a pretty safe neighborhood. I don't know, it's not something I constantly worry about. I was caught unalert, unaware. I think he did just go to the wrong house and was trying to go to someone else's house, but still, man, it's one in the morning. Don't be creeping in people's houses in the middle of the night. I just thought like, when you think about being alert in prayer, there's a few moments that come to mind, right? There, we say, okay, it's great, be alert, but think about these moments. There's this role in the Old Testament called watch people, wherein for the nations, they would sit in the towers and wait for an incoming army to come and attack. And if it happened, they would ring bells, sound alarms, let everyone know, get prepared. For, 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 for um, vineyards, they would have watchtowers. And so if they saw thieves taking the edges, they would have someone there. They would sound the alarm, set off the bells, and tell everyone, we have thieves. We need to do something about it. This is the way they would catch, make sure that they were not caught off guard. They had people. Now, now bring it real close. So the prophets of the Old Testament were commissioned to keep watch over the spiritual lives of God's people from specifically demonic powers. Then you catch Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Think about it. He's talking to his disciples, his closest. It's not just that they're tired. It's like, I need you to stay up. Why was he wanting them to stay up? So that they could pray. Stay alert. Stay awake. The hour is coming. They're about to betray me. And he prays and prays and prays and comes back. You all are falling asleep. Stay awake. Stay alert. The hour is coming. They're about to betray me. They're falling asleep. Stay alert. This is the imagery that Paul is trying to bring us into. It's not just a generic like, okay, so I'm coming to the end of this letter. Oh, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Uh, prayer. I'm a Christian. Christians pray at the end of things. I'm going to end this letter with a prayer. 
That's not what Paul's doing. He is digging deep. He is going back into this Old Testament tradition. He's going back into the ideas of armies on the walls, of people in the towers at the vineyards, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and says, there is a real battle happening. Stay awake, stay alert, continue praying. Be on guard. I don't think I can overstate that one enough. But he also says, be persistent. It says this in Luke, in a certain town there was a judge who neither, this is a parable from Jesus, who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him to plead, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. I love, I don't know who this character is that he's developing here, but it's a weird dude. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. It's kind of humorous, is it not? There is a place to step back and say, God, your will be done, your kingdom come. But there is also a place in God's scripture for you to be annoyingly persistent. I don't have time to read the rest of the scriptures, but there's a cultivation of this idea persistence over and over in Jesus' teaching. It's almost like this funny way of him saying, keep knocking, keep coming back, keep telling me, keep coming for this relational exchange that we have. And so what ends up happening is it's just like the kids that you have. If you have kids, they get something in their mind that they're going on a trip or have a piece of candy up in that cupboard or they're gonna go do something fun and they constantly like, all right, is it time yet? No, it's like eight hours away, all right, all right. An hour later, maybe, can we do it now? What time is it? It's, it's like 15 minutes, man. What are, you, what are you doing? Okay, but what about now? Can we go now? Is it ready? Is it time? Can we come and do this thing? And she's like, okay, I get it. And because you're my kid, I'm going to let this slip. I'm going to let this pass. Like, it's cool, but you're killing me right now. Wherein children have the opportunity to be shamelessly, maybe annoyingly, audacious in their request to their parents. And so we see God as this king enthroned, but we also see him as our father in heaven that we get to go to and say over and over, God, I need you to step into this situation. And he encourages the shameless audacity through his parables. The fifth and final thing is this, keep on praying for all the people. And it's intercessory prayer. Pray for others. It's when you step in the gap and say, I know that they're in this situation. It's not my situation. I'm going to pray as if I am in that situation. So God, help them. Help them to uh, deal with the situation they're in. Deal with the doctors that they have to deal with. Deal uh, with the, the, the neighbor that they have to deal with. Deal with the different things that are going on with the illness, with the ailment. Any of these things going on, protection for them covering when they might have uh, their guard down. Trials and intense fire might be coming their way. And it's when you say on their behalf, God... I want you to be with them, to guard them, have their armor on them even though they don't realize it's, uh, it's, that they put it down. And so uh, uh, all, all the time, continually, all the Lord's people praying for them here in this church, in your house churches, in your ministries, overseas, for all the saints that God would be standing in the gap through you for them. Paul's final words just say this. I'm gonna read them together. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. 
Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending, you, sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our God, Jesus Christ, with an undying love. And I love this because... As we close, Paul's greatest concern is not for himself. It's that he remains bold and fearless and encourages them, and he's doing it all from prison. Now, I didn't know this until this week, but this is the kind of prison that Paul was in. It's a hole in the ground. You see the cutaway view up at the top? I still, I don't know why. Like, it's my Western sensibilities. I'm thinking like bars, right? Stinging file, you know, if he files his way out, he can get out of there. It's like this old cartoony kind of thing that was in my head. This dude's down a hole with a few other people, and they would lower them down inside of that hole. It was dark. It was damp. People were sick. People were catching illnesses from one another. And this is where Paul's writing this letter from. I don't know if he's standing in the one light coming through that hole, how it's if he's dictating up to Tychicus as he's saying these words, but he wants the Ephesians to not be discouraged. He is saying these things, praying these things, giving testimony via Tychicus on what he is doing here so that everything in this letter filtered through this context is being spoken to them that they would rejoice and surrender and take on the sacrifices, be willing to do everything that Paul has, has asked of them because this is the context that Paul is in. And so think about every reminder of cosmic identity. Every reminder of a family walking in good works together, coming together in unity to negotiate their cultures together as Jew and Gentile, growing in maturity together, trying to figure out the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, encouraging one another. Every single prayer, there were three major prayers inside of this book. They are supposed to be walking away from this uh, ignorance and darkness and become as children of light. All the household codes, every opposition, spiritual and otherwise, every piece of armor and every offensive thing in their hand from the word of God to the prayers that they pray are all coming from a place that is this. I, just, I don't know, it just didn't it hit me different this time. Maybe it's because I came across that picture as I was doing this study. Um, but man, it really puts things in perspective. Because Paul, who is um, in a place most of us would crumble into despair, isn't even crumbling. He's not defensive. He's actually moving in offense, trying to care for others, minister for others, staying with his armor, alert, prayed up, ready to minister to the people in Ephesus. And it's just powerful to see him do these things. And what I want to remind us is that these things are available to us today. And so what I want to do as we end all of this is just to pray over you all in the likeness of uh, the ideas we talked about in Ephesians to send you out and close with the same encouragement that I got as I rounded out the end of this letter, seeing worlds collide but staying fearless in the midst of them. Would you allow me to pray over you right now? All right, I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up, um, and then would you all stand up, and, and we'll pray together. And if you're okay receiving if, um, I know it may or may not be in your tradition, but um, just maybe extend your hands out like this as a um, posture of receiving. 
And so, Father, we come together as we end this book, and we, um, we ask, Lord, that we would see our identity in you. Holy, chosen, blameless, found, forgiven, adopted, predestined, redeemed, all of the things that you mentioned in this, that we are a workmanship, a poem, a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Lord. So we want to receive those things today. God, we want to come to you knowing that we have a new identity that is working itself out as different from this world, though we are not meant to leave it. God, that we are a new family that is coming together despite all of the uh, uh, barrier walls that might come between us. Lord, tear those things down so that unification in a gospel-centered way can take place, God. We pray and ask that we would be outfitted with the prayer, or with the armor of God, Lord, that we would have not just the defensive, but the word of God in our hearts and prayer on our lips, pushing back darkness, that the darkness would be afraid of us because the light inside of us from you is so bright. God, may we walk as children of the light. May those who are hearing my voice here this morning, would they become a new image and formation under the likeness of Christ Jesus. And that idols would be smashed to the side. And God, would we be equipped to do spiritual damage that is earthly good as long as the sun rises and as long as we are breathing. We pray for this all right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat.